This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Today marks exactly five years since the NBC sitcom The Good Place competed for its first Emmys on September 17th, 2018. I spoke to co-star Jamila Jamil that same year about working with the hilarious Ted Danson, Kristen Bell, William Jackson Harper, Manny Jacinta, and Darcy Carden. Thanks so much for joining us, Jamila. Hello, thanks for having me. I gotta say, it's one of my favorite shows on TV now, probably my new favorite sitcom, um, but somehow I missed it when season one was actually on, but it was my new binge over winter break, and I'm all caught up now, and man, it's hilarious. Uh, great work. But, oh, thank you so much. Absolutely. So give our listeners a quick uh, just premise of the show real quick. Well, it's a show, it's a comedy about uh, dead people, essentially. So uh, <laughs> the show centers around our main character, uh, who's play, who played by the brilliant Kristen Bell, and she has gotten into heaven, she's died, she's gotten into heaven. And very quickly, she realizes she's not supposed to be there because she is, as we would describe in the show, an asshole. Um, and so no cussing, the, no cussing uh, in the afterlife. No, that's not cussing. That's not cussing. Asshole, <laughs> forking, we found a way around it. And so she has to try to become a good person in order to stay in heaven in case anyone comes out and sends her back to the bad place where she would actually belong. And so it's her journey in trying to learn how to become what is a really, truly good person. And I play one of the support characters. In fact, I play the annoying um, the neighbor from hell. I think, guess you can describe me, the condescending uh, neighbor from hell. <laughs> and uh, it's all of us around her trying to help her learn how to be a good person and learning ourselves how to become good people. And it's full of complete chaos. Ted Danson may well be one of the greatest characters of all time, and he is truly the star. Absolutely. And you, you, you called your character Tahani uh, the neighbor from hell, <laughs> the condescending. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, take me Annoying sort of, bent, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Take me sort of into... Um, you know, she has an interesting little arc because at first, uh, at least to Eleanor and the audience too, through Eleanor, we kind of we kind of think Tahani is comes across as sort of this very phony niceness. You know, she's bringing all the welcoming gifts, all that. But then slowly over season one, we we realize she she does have a heart of gold and is kind of going through her own journey to become a good person too. So, how do you as an actress sort of play that shift from the phony niceness to the oh, she's got a heart of gold? Well, I'm English, so phony niceness comes very naturally to me. We are the most <laughs> passive-aggressive people on earth. Um, but I also had a real person to kind of base a lot of Tahani on. Obviously, I've not told that person who they are or told anyone else who that person is. But, um, you know, there was, the, the point is, uh, and this is what makes Mike Scherzer so great, is that a lot of bad people are really just sad people. And Mike is great at building, like, empathy for characters by explaining why people are so irritating or so weird or so dysfunctional. And so as the character, as the show continues on, you start to realize, like, the layers and layers of Tahani that make her so frustrating and insecure and irritating. And you realize a lot of her arrogance comes from insecurity, as with a lot of people. And it's just very fun to see how she and Eleanor trigger each other. Like, they are, um, they sort of... 
they antagonize one another constantly and they push each other's buttons and it's really interesting watching that relationship grow and not a lot of female friendships or relationships are shown that way in comedy and I think he's given us such an interesting arc although quite a lot of people would like us to see it like to see us uh, romantically involved I believe in America people call it shipping and so um, I, we have been like the most shipped couple uh, in the show uh, but that's very exciting people seem to be very behind our relationship thus far we are not yet romantically involved but who's to say what's coming yeah you never know what future seasons will present well f- so far you are romantically involved um, in a spoiler alert for season 2 uh, with Jason Manny Jacinto I want to know what it's like acting across from him because your guys relationship in the show evolves from you know he, he's this monk with a vow of silence where you think you're s- supposed to be soulmates but you're like how does this even work early on and then uh you know, and it involves to, to a little bit. It's getting a little more hot and heavy in season two. So talk about working with uh, with Manny as, as Jason and the chemistry you guys have. Oh, I mean, it's just so it's such a great job when when all you have to do is kiss or lie in a bed next to the male equivalent of Angelina Jolie. Like, he is <laughs> really the most beautiful person I've ever seen in my whole life. Uh, and so he's my first ever on-screen kiss and my seventh kiss on ever. <laughs> and what he won't like me telling everyone is that I'm so his seventh kiss ever. Uh, so we're both <laughs> losers. Um, but it's great. He's so hilarious. It's really hard to act opposite him because he's so funny and his improv skills are completely unrivaled. But um, it was so nice to finally be able to have some sort of romantic involvement because it felt like everyone was getting some action in series one. And it felt a bit too much like my teen years where I was the only one left out again. So it took me till season two to finally have someone fancy me back. And I'm so lucky that it was the most beautiful man possibly in the world. Uh, And it's uh, definitely weird uh, being friends with someone in real life and then having to act romantically involved. But he couldn't have made that more comfortable or easier or more fun. Um, and our relationship is such an interesting dynamic and so fun. And uh, I'm curious to see where how people will feel about where that goes. Yeah, I'm glad you two finally got your Cannonball Run 2 moments. You know, everyone else was getting yeah. them. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tahani did have some love. Yeah, um, exactly. But the, obviously, the main relationship in the show is probably Eleanor and Cheedy, um, which has been so fascinating. Like a love, their love hate relationship. She's such, you know, uh-huh. sarcastic and selfish, and he's so indecisive, uh, frustratingly indecisive. But uh, just talk uh-huh. about sort of what makes Kristen Bell and William Jackson Harper. Um, what do you think makes them click so well together as actors? Well, they have ridiculous chemistry, the two of them, but they're also separate, extremely talented people. William Jackson Harper might be the best under secret on the show. He was actually going to give up acting. Uh, just before this audition came around and um, this was kind of his last audition and then he was done. He was just going to kind of give up and get a a normal job and he happened to get the show and Mike Schur said about him when he found him in the audition, where have you been all of our lives? Because he's such a phenomenal talent. It's like like Bill Murray and Jim Carrey had a bet and made his brain. (laughs) And so I think he plays brilliantly off of Kristen Bell's amazing comedic timing and they're both very actors and the way that their characters complement each other and agree each other is so interesting and I feel like I've seen this relationship play out amongst so many people that I've met in my life so it's nice to finally see such an irritating, frustrating relationship on screen uh, depicted between the two of them I think they're so great, I really want them to you know I want them to last on the show whether they will or not we'll have to wait and see Yeah I think we're all kind of rooting for Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating, all the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, 
with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. There's a huge twist coming up for season two again. Just when you thought we couldn't twist, like top the season one twist. And the end of season two is so, I'm proud of it. It's so clever and interesting and lines us up so brilliantly which we're going to start filming in about three months and I can't wait oh we can't wait neither yeah speaking of that twist at the end of season one I mean well we got to kind of be we kind of got to be careful and dance around it in case some of our listeners uh you know haven't seen it yet and honestly that's why I think people can't really just I I urge them if at all possible to to go back and start from season one on and go from the pilot on because there's some there's that season one finale twist is is a lean up lean forward on the couch jaw drop moment um but how can we uh, try to tease our listeners with um, how it, it sort of, without giving it away, um, sort of gives us a reset button and uh, allows season two to be sort of the same as season one, but in a new light. Well, I mean, I think what I'm all I can say is, and I can say this because I didn't write the show, so I'm not completely arrogant, but it has been called by many people uh, officially one of the greatest twists in like sitcom history. And it really, Ted Danson's acting is so terrifying brilliant in it and I was in the room watching him perform the big scene that kind of really makes define what it is as, as groundbreaking I was there for that moment and remember that all of us just had complete chills and couldn't really speak afterwards because his performance was so extraordinary in that moment um it I don't it's hard to say because it's just so it would be so devastating to ruin this for anyone to listen to. But um, I want you to, if you haven't seen the show, I really urge you to start with the show. It starts extremely weirdly. And then it kind of builds by episode three. You start to get to know all of the characters. You start to love them and care about them. And that twist is so worth it that even just the final episode of season one, it is worth watching if you can, um, because it's such phenomenal acting. And it, there's no way of, unfortunately, there's no way for me to talk about season two without explaining what happens in the season one finale. So I'm just going to tell people while like wagging my finger at them with a scold, you must watch season one because it really is the most exceptional acting from Ted Danson. He's a, he's a masterclass in acting. Absolutely. And I'm sure you and I have been watching him um, our whole lives. I mean, from cheers on, man, the guy's a legend. Totally. The guy's a legend. Yeah, completely. Um, completely. Talk about working with Michael Schur. I mean, uh, a lot of our listeners have loved The Office, which you wrote for, and SNL. And then uh, also he, you know, co-created Parks and Rec. Um, talk about how, how, if they love those shows, why it's sort of the same, the same sort of comedy can translate here. Oh, totally. I mean, he's a genius. And he's also got no ego which is so rare for such a big boss in Hollywood. Like, he's being malleable with the writers and with the characters and with the actors. Like, he lets people... He, he believes that the best idea wins. And I think that's why his projects are so collaborative. And I think that's why he uncovers such cool talent all the time, both in writers and in his actors. Um, but I think this might be his craziest comedy yet. Like, even he sometimes apologizes to us just before he tells us what the next episode will be because of how insane it is. <laughs> we get these warning emails completely gone mad <laughs> uh, just before... He 
who's about to tell us what's coming up next in the season. We don't find out until just before we're about to shoot what's happening because he doesn't want it to affect our performance if we know he doesn't he wants it to be as fresh and authentic as possible so we're on the journey with the viewer um he's just brilliant he's a very nice guy but he challenges audiences and he doesn't condescend to network audiences you know a lot of people feel that sometimes network comedy can be a little bit safe or a little bit dumbed down and he doesn't do that he believes in the intellect of the american public and the worldwide public and he knows that people will get it he's not afraid to take it to a high concept it suits all the ages. We get children coming up and saying they love the show. We get old people coming up and loving the show. It's a very diverse audience, and he's just mastering tone and slipping something in there and making sure that it's something that we can all watch as a community. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, just sort of in, in closing, uh, what about you, your career personally? I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, uh, is this your first sort of scripted TV role? I know you've done a lot of hosting gigs as yourself, but um, yeah. yeah, first remind our listeners sort of what you were doing before on British TV and everything and how, the, how that made maybe even prepared you for a role like this? Well, the audition was terrifying because I was so sure that there was no way he'd ever give me the job. And so uh, I can't, I got the job by some miracle and then have just been uh, uh, terrified ever since. I've just been sweating buckets trying to catch up with some of the best actors I've ever seen and learning how to act alongside them. But I think working with Ted Danson and Chris was probably like four years of drama school crammed in um, <laughs> because they're so incredible to watch and you can really learn a lot of them. But... I, uh, I really have no idea what's going on, and I think that Mike Sherwood is insane for hiring someone who had no idea what they were doing. But he's already paid me now, so they can't take that back. It might have been an insane idea, but it's working. You're killing it. So keep doing what you're doing. Whatever you're doing, just keep oh, doing. Thank you. What's yeah, up? it turns out I love acting, so I'm so happy that that happened. Imagine if I'd had the flu that day or just hadn't gone, if I'd broken my leg. My whole life wouldn't have changed. I had no idea when I came to America that I would acts and it was never something that I dreamed of doing in fact it was always something I said I would never want to do um, because I didn't understand what a joyous and fun craft it is and I think I got super lucky and spoiled I ended up working with such lovely funny talented people awesome so uh, yeah final seconds so are you based in Hollywood now what do you got coming up next I live in Los Angeles I'm an actress (laughs) I'm a proper actress now (laughs) Um, I'm also starting voiceover at Disney and I'm about to start a new show for NBC which is not not uh, scripted. It is a science show, a science documentary show that I'll be working on at some point soon. What's it called? I can't tell you any more about it ah, okay. uh, until the press release. But um, you'll be seeing more of me in lots of different ways. Uh, and I hope that that is not a problem for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're looking forward to whatever else you have come down the pipe. So thank you so much for taking the time to, to join us. Uh, everyone, check out The Good Place on NBC. Jamila Jamil, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.